Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. We're starting a new sermon series called More Than Conquerors. And our theme verse for this series is found in Romans 8:37. It's on your notes, take them out. It says, in all these things we are, say the phrase with me, more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. The Christian life is not just about white knuckling it, uh, barely hanging on so that we escape the fires of hell and uh, make it into heaven by the skin of your teeth. Uh, no, uh, Jesus says that's not what it's like. Uh, the Bible says that you are more than conquerors. Uh, we are supposed to live a victorious life here and now. We can live a victorious life here and now through the love that Jesus Christ has for us. But in order for us to get to that victorious life, we have to conquer some issues in our life uh, that can cause us to live in defeat instead of living in victory. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at some of these various issues that we need to conquer. And tonight I want to talk to you about conquering labels. Because in our society today, there is a real tendency to attach labels uh, to people and to even attach labels uh, to ourselves. We seek out identities for ourselves, trying desperately to figure out who we are, and then we attach a label uh, to ourselves. And uh, that's been happening throughout history. Uh, people attach labels. See if you can figure out the labels uh, for some of these people. Uh, we have Attila the... Very good. Henry the... Yeah. Alexander the... Conan the... Yeah, some of you said O'Brien, but that's okay. We have Billy the... Winnie the... Kelly the... Okay, yeah, see, that's where it gets icky. Okay? Because all of a sudden we start trying to figure out, okay, so what's my label? Where do I fit in? What do you stick on to me? And we also start labeling one another. And maybe early on in life, you, you were labeled. Maybe you were labeled as lazy or disobedient or stupid or irresponsible. Or maybe even as an adult, uh, you've been labeled. You've been labeled as an addict or as a drunk or divorced or, or dishonest. And you, you've been called hot-headed or, oh, yeah, she's the party girl. Or maybe you've just been labeled as average. But... Whatever the label has been, that label can begin to limit uh, your life. Uh, the devil loves to use labels to keep us from becoming who God made us to be. And so I don't know what label you carry uh, tonight, but, but probably at some point in your life you've been tagged with a label or you have adopted a label yourself, and that label has begun to rob you of your true identity that God has given you. And so tonight, I, I want to uh, hopefully help you understand the identity that you have in Christ. In Christ. Say those two words with me out loud. In Christ. One more time. In Christ. Folks, those two words make the devil tremble. In Christ. That is your true identity. That's your true label. Uh, over 140 times in the Bible, it uses the phrase, in Christ, 
to describe a believer. Do you know that the term Christian is only used twice in the Bible? It's only used twice in the Bible. And instead, when the Bible wants to describe a believer, it uses the phrase in Christ, in him, in the Lord. That's who you were made to be. That's the real you, in Christ. Peter, disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, actually gives us five labels that describe your true identity in Christ. And I want us tonight just to, to dig down deep, just march through this passage together in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. He starts out, he says, you are, that's your identity. You are, that's your label. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, you had no label, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so on your notes, I want you to circle these five labels. First, circle a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, and received mercy. Here's the first label that's true about you in Christ. And number one, I am completely accepted. Completely accepted in Christ. Now, acceptance is vital because we've all been rejected. You know, some of the deepest wounds that come into our lives come from rejection. Rejection by a parent, rejection by a friend, a rejection by a lover, even rejection from strangers. And often we try to solve the wound of rejection by gaining the acceptance of the people in our lives. And the pursuit of acceptance influences every part of our life. The desire for acceptance uh, affects the clothes that you wear, the car you drive, the house you buy, the career you choose. Some of you are in the wrong career because you got into a career trying to gain the acceptance of other people. You know, I look back to when I was a kid and, and look at some of the things that I did to gain acceptance, that I did uh, to fit in. I mean, why would I do that kind of crazy, crazy stuff? You know the old, would you jump off a friend, or jump off a friend, jump off a bridge if your friend did? Yeah, I did. Yeah, stupid, stupid thing to do. But I did it just to gain acceptance. And some of you did that stuff too. Because the pain, the pain of not being accepted, the pain of not being chosen is so great. And as kids, we know the pain of the playground, standing there hoping that somebody would choose you. You didn't, you didn't want to be last. You'd settle for next to last. But please, if there's a God in heaven, do not let me be last. And then you were last. And you know the pain. We know the sting of a harsh word from a parent or from a teacher or a coach. We know the, the broken heart of, of a rejected lover. But being chosen, that, that's the flip side of rejection. Being chosen is a good thing. It makes you feel good when you're chosen by somebody. And I got good news for you. You have been chosen by God. God accepts you completely. 
First Peter 2.9 says you have been chosen by God himself and that's the truth about your identity in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't care if you feel it or not because our feelings will lie to us. But the Bible, God tells us that we are totally accepted by him in Christ. That's your label. Now, how do I know this? Well, first, because the Bible says God chose me before everything. He chose me before everything, Ephesians 1.4. He chose us in him before, circle the word before, the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight by his love. Before God created the universe, he chose you. Before God made the earth and all that's in it, he chose you. He didn't wait till you showed up to see if you were acceptable, to see if you measured up or could make the cut. No, before everything else, God chose to love you. That's how deep God's acceptance is of you. Another way I can know that God accepts me is because Jesus has made me acceptable. Titus 3, 7, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us, circle made us, acceptable to God. And he gave us, circle gave us, the hope of eternal life. That's where our acceptance comes from. If you're trying to get acceptance from God uh, by earning it, you're wasting your effort because it is Christ who made us acceptable. So stop trying to perform your way into acceptance. You're working to receive something that God has already offered to you as a free gift of his grace. Because God's acceptance is not based on your performance. It's a gift. It's something that he, he, he gave us. And that's where your identity in Christ starts, realizing that I am completely acceptable to God. Second label of your identity is I'm extremely valuable. God doesn't just accept you, uh, God values you. You're not just completely acceptable, you are extremely valuable. In fact, the Bible says you are priceless. You are a holy nation and a people belonging to God. Circle holy and belonging because both of those words imply extreme value. What does holy mean? Well, when we talk about the holy Bible, the holy land, the holy city, the holy sepulcher, the holy of holies, anything that is holy is considered extremely valuable. And God labels you as holy. He labels you as valuable. He labels you as priceless. Because what is it that makes something valuable? Well, the first thing that makes something valuable is who owns it? You know, things that are owned by famous people are more valuable than things owned by unfamous people. Uh, You know, if you and Lady Gaga both put your cars up for sale on Craigslist, which is where Lady Gaga would list her car if she was going to sell one, (laughs) people would pay more for Lady Gaga's car than they would for your car, even if it's the exact same car. Why? Why? Because it's owned by somebody famous. You go to the thrift store and there's athletic shoes for sale and there's a pair that says, these are Kelly Walter's shoes and there's another pair that says, these are Patrick Mahomes' shoes. Which ones are gonna be more valuable? Okay? Yeah, Patrick Mahomes' shoes, even if they have ketchup stains on them, okay, (laughs) are gonna be more valuable. Why? Because ownership 
adds value. So who do you belong to? You are holy and belong to the people of God. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, You are a people holy to the Lord your God, his treasured possession. You are God's treasured possession. Nobody values you more than God does. Nobody. Isaiah 43, 4, God says, You are precious to me. You're holy and you are extremely valuable. We're also valuable because God is my Father. When you and I place our trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we are given the power to become children of God. Everybody's created by God, but not everybody is a child of God. Everybody's created by God. Everybody is loved by God. But you only become a child of God when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And around the world, lots and lots of people choose not to be in God's family. They choose not to trust in Jesus Christ. They choose not to believe in him. But if you and I, if we believe in Jesus Christ, then God is my father and I belong to the family of God. And one day in heaven, God is going to share everything with his children. And right now, here on earth, our heavenly father promises to meet our needs because we belong to him. Jesus says, look at the birds. God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Far more valuable than any birds. You know, birds don't do a whole lot except chirp and poop. And yet God says, I take care of the birds. I take care of the birds. But you're far more valuable than them. And God's going to take care of you. Another reason I'm extremely valuable is because Jesus gave his life for me. People say, you know, I'm worthless. I'm nothing. I'm junk. But Jesus Christ did not die for junk. You're not junk. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says you have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. Jesus paid for you with his very life. He shed his life's blood to pay a ransom for you, and you have value. Because another thing that determines value is what someone is willing to pay for you. You know, how much is your home worth? I'm not a realtor, but I can tell you exactly what your home is worth. Your home is worth whatever someone else is willing to pay for it. No more, no less. That's what it's worth. And you may think it's worth more, but it's not. It's only worth, it's only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. And so how much are you worth? You want to know how much you're worth? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. When Jesus Christ stretched out his arms on that cross, he said, this is how much you are worth. And he laid down his life. You know, those people who told you that you were worthless, those people who told you you wouldn't amount to anything, they were wrong. They were wrong. Because Jesus Christ paid the greatest ransom that has ever been paid in the history of the universe. And he paid it for you because you are valuable. You are priceless. You need to wear that label. You need to wear that price tag proudly. Third thing, third label to your true identity is I'm eternally loved. Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You know, sometimes as human beings, we can be ashamed uh, of our families. We've, 
got those weird uncles and the crazy aunts and the odd brothers and sisters or, or, or disturbing parents. Don't look at them. Okay? We've got those family members that sometimes we're ashamed of. But God is not ashamed of his family. Hebrews 2.11 says, Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. And that is why Jesus is not ashamed, not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. Two characteristics of God's love I want you to remember. First is God's love is unconditional. It's not I love you if. It's not I love you if you pray. It's not I love you if you do good. It's not I love you if you please me. It's not I love you because you're a nice person. I love you because you go to church. Not if, not because. God just says, I love you. Period. In fact, unconditional love loves you in spite of of you. God loves you in spite of yourself. God loves you regardless of what you do. That's the kind of love that God has for you. It's an unconditional love. And God isn't fickle. He's not unpredictable. He doesn't have bad hair days. He doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Some of us grew up with a parent where where we never knew what was going to happen, never knew it was going to be hugs or slugs. Are they going to be mad, sad, or glad? What are we going to get today? And unstable parents create unstable children. But God says, my love for you is consistent. It's unending. It's everlasting. Because it's not based on you. It's based on him. So I'm eternally loved, first, because God is love. Psalm 105 says God's love is eternal and his faithfulness lasts forever. We can be unfaithful to him. He's not going to be unfaithful to us because God is love. It's what he is. It's what he does. Fourth label is I am totally forgiven. 1 Peter 2, 10 uh, says it this way. It says, at one time you did not know God's mercy, but now you have received his mercy. And God's mercy has given us God's total forgiveness. It, It is total. It is complete. It's complete because God knows everything. And because he knows everything, his forgiveness has to be complete. You know, God can't partially forgive. He he can only totally forgive because God knows. God knows the worst thing that you've ever done or ever will do. And he's decided in Christ to totally forgive you. And you and I might be surprised at at our sins sometimes. Are you ever surprised at, at, at the sin that comes out of you? I mean, I am. Sometimes I think, why did I do that? Where did that come from? God's never surprised by our sin. He, he knows in advance every wrong thing you and I are going to do, and he has chosen to totally forgive us in Christ. You know, we have a hard time getting this because, because well, frankly, as humans, we don't do this. We, we don't really forgive. We just sort of reserve judgment till later. We just sort of stick it in the gunny sack and hold on to it in case we need it. But that's not how God forgives When he forgives, he totally forgives us. And as you begin to grasp that truth, you'll start to understand your true identity in Christ. Because we get confused about this. 
And we can think that God is punishing us for our sin. But God, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, God does not punish you for your sins. Granted, he may discipline and direct his children trying to lead us in the right way, but he's not doing it as punishment for our sins. Romans 8.1 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. God doesn't carry a grudge toward us. God doesn't rehearse your sins over and over and in his mind. No, he, he forgives it. He releases it. He lets it go. If you did something, said something, thought something that you never thought you'd do, say, or think, and you're wondering, could God possibly forgive that? The answer is yes. Yes, he can. And so don't, don't start thinking about how judged and condemned you are. Start realizing how forgiven you are. Because it's in God's nature to forgive. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I am the God who forgives your sins, and I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. It is in God's nature to forgive. He is a forgiver. It's who he is. And I want you to notice that verse is right out of the Old Testament. You know, there's this idea that the God of the Old Testament is unforgiving. He's a harsh God. And then in the New Testament, he has some sort of spiritual awakening and he becomes all ushy-cushy. No, no. He's always been a forgiving God. It's always been in God's nature to forgive. Throughout the Old Testament, through the New Testament, he's always been a forgiving God. A second reason I can know I'm totally forgiven is because Jesus paid for my sins. I mean, it keeps coming back to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because when you look at what Christ did on the cross, that's where you see your identity. You are accepted. You are valuable. You are forgiven. Ephesians 1.7 says, For by the blood of Christ we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God. Not forgiven based on my performance or what I've done. I'm forgiven Based on the great grace of God, I'm forgiven because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's my true label. That's my true identity. I'm forgiven. And number five, I am fully capable. Fifth label that Peter gives us is in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, you are royal priests chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. You are a priest. <laughs> Me? Yes. Yes. You. You are a priest. If you're in Christ, if you're a child of God, if you're born again, if you're in God's family, you're also a priest. Now, what does a priest do? Well, a priest does two things. First, a priest represents man to God and a priest represents God to man. And God says that you are fully capable of doing both. You're fully capable of representing God to other people. That's part of your identity in Christ. That's part of your label. God, the Bible says that you are an ambassador. You are a reconciler on behalf of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants you to do as a priest. Look at Acts 26, 18. It says, you, you are to open their eyes. Your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, your relatives, you are to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to God, so that through their faith in me, that's Christ, 
they will have their sins forgiven and also, like you, receive their place among God's chosen people. God says that's your job. That's your identity. You're a priest. You're to tell other people what what they can find in Jesus Christ. You're to tell other people that they can be accepted, that they can be forgiven, they can be loved, they, they have value, they can be capable. Your job as a priest is to represent God to everyone around you, at work, at school, in that restaurant, in your neighborhood. If you're in Christ, you're a priest. And God says you are fully qualified, fully capable, fully competent as a priest. Now, a lot of times we don't feel that way. We don't feel very competent or capable. Often we feel overwhelmed by life. But who are you going to believe? Your feelings or God? Because your feelings will lie to you. In fact, your feelings usually lie to you. But God never lies. And God says you are fully capable to handle anything that comes at you in this life. And you are fully capable to share the good news of Christ with other people. You may say, oh man, I just can't do that on my own. That's right. That's right. He doesn't expect you to do it on your own. You're supposed to do it in the power of God. You're supposed to do it in Christ. Because that's where the power comes from. 2 Corinthians 3, the capacity that we have comes from God. It is he who made us capable of serving the new covenant. And you may think, oh man, I I could never serve. I could never serve in my church. But God has made you capable of serving. God has a mission. He has a purpose. He has a plan for your life and he wants you to fulfill it. And it includes you performing the duties of a priest, an ambassador for Christ, a reconciler. And God has given you the ability to do that because God has given you spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts that he wants you to use to build up the church. It's one of the truths we teach in our, our growth track. And this Sunday, tomorrow afternoon, it's step three. And in step three, that's where we help you discover the spiritual gifts that God has given you. Most people don't feel capable or competent to do what God wants them to do. We we feel ill-equipped and and incapable and unprepared. Why? Because we're reading the wrong label. We read the label that our parents or our peers put on us. We read the label that society sticks on us. We read the label that Satan tags us with. We read these false labels that we have stuck on us. The only person we don't believe is God. And God says that you're acceptable, forgivable, valuable, lovable, and capable. You are fully capable to do what God wants you to do because in Christ, you have the gifts to do it. In Christ, he has given you the power to do it because Christ lives in me. Philippians 4.13 I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I, I can I can do, I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Whatever God calls me to do in life, I'm fully competent, fully capable to handle it because I'm in Christ. Now the sad truth is the younger you were when you experienced your first rejection, the more painful and the greater impact it had on your life. 
There's just something about those childhood wounds and that childhood rejection that just goes deep into our life. You know, the older you get, rejection just doesn't hurt as much. Because you you realize, you know, I I just don't need other people's approval. People may disapprove of you. It's not going to destroy you. But when you're a kid, the more rejection you experience, the greater the impact on your life. And when you're a kid, somebody slaps a label on you. You're lazy, you're stupid, you're irresponsible, you're inept, and on and on and on. And in a sense, those people who said those things have cursed you with a false label. A false label is like a curse because you start believing it. And you start to identify with that false label and you start to live in light of it. And you go, you're right, I'm uncoordinated. You're right, I'll never get married. You're right, I'm not smart. You're right, on and on. A false label is like a curse. How do you reverse that curse? How do you remove that false label and find your true identity? You start believing what God has said about you. You start believing the truth and you stop believing the lies and you take the word of God and you fill your mind with it and you unleash the power of the word of God. You unleash the power of Christ that is in you. Here's your homework assignment for this week. I want to encourage you just to take this outline home and start telling you these truths over and over and over. I am acceptable, valuable, lovable, forgivable, incapable and learn who you are in Christ and live in light of that truth let's pray together father I thank you that that you can heal broken hearts you can heal bitter memories and 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 damaged self-esteem I thank you that that the pain of rejection can be healed and the curse of false labels can be erased And Jesus, I ask that you help each of us to see ourselves through your eyes of love, that we might see our true identity. Help us to realize that our sin is not our identity. Our attractiveness is not our identity. Our success is not our identity. Our faults, failures, flubs, that's not who we are. Our identity is found in Christ. Now I want to invite you to just repeat these truths after me. I want you to say them out loud with meaning as your affirmation prayer to God. So just follow me, say this out loud. Because of Jesus Christ, I am completely accepted. I am extremely valuable. I am eternally loved. I am completely forgiven. I am fully capable because I am in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.